You're listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all your latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Rachel's season and interviewing all your favorite past Bachelor and Bachelorette contestants. Now, here's Reality Steve. Welcome, everyone, to podcast number 32. I'm your host, Reality Steve. We've got a very special guest, someone we've been chasing down for a little bit, and we finally got her uh, for this podcast. But first, I want to talk to you about Carvana. Do you dread spending your Saturday haggling with a car salesperson? I know I do. With Carvana, you can skip the dealership and buy your next car online. Choose as soon as next day delivery or pick up from the world's first coin-operated car vending machine. I know, because I've seen them. There's one like 10 minutes from me. And enjoy the peace of mind of a seven-day return policy, plus save some serious money compared to dealerships. Carvana is the new way to buy a car. Check out Carvana.com slash reality, R-E-A-L-I-T-Y, to learn more. That's Carvana.com slash reality to learn more. Okay, let's get to our guest, a very special guest joining us today in that she's the first ever former bachelorette, or any lead for that matter, to come on the podcast, but that's definitely not for lack of trying on my end. Um, Anyway, we first saw her on Brad Womack's season of The Bachelor, then she followed it up with her own season of The Bachelorette, and now she's a married mother of two. It's Deanna Stagliano. How are you, Deanna? Well, it's like it took you six months to get me here. I'm I know. really sorry. You, you did all these promises of having me on your podcast, and I'm just the worst person for scheduling. I can't even handle it. But this is life with two kids and a full-time job. I'm crazy. Yeah, I know. We uh, we, we had a little miscommunication a few weeks ago, but it's all good. We got you on now. That's all that matters. And I was thinking about this before you came on. I feel like over the years, you and I have had communication on and off, but I couldn't remember if we had actually spoken on the phone before. Then I remember way back in the day, I want to say it was around. Oh, I remember. 07 or 08, I was working in radio. I did an interview with Jeremy Anderson and we surprised him by bringing you on the phone. Do you remember that? Yes. And I think we had Richard on, didn't we? Didn't we do like a foursome? It was like me and Holly and Jeremy and Richard. Didn't That's we have right. A whole thing going on? I remember Holly being part of it. Was Did we get Richard on too? Yes. I think I'm we might. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I don't even remember. God, I don't remember even – I don't know where that interview is. I'm sure I aired it at the time, but this was almost 10 years ago. So Yeah, it was a long time ago. Oh, boy. Anyway, let's get started with your first foray into this franchise, which was The Bachelor. And you were a single woman living in Georgia at the time. So how did you get on the show? Uh, I had some very dear friends of mine who were avid fans of the show. And I had just been – dumped maybe like three months beforehand by this guy that I dated off and on. And I was just like heartbroken. I thought I was going to get married and live in old noon in Georgia forever. (laughs) (laughs) And little did I know, you know, I had friends who watched the show and they loved it. And there was casting call in Atlanta and they were like, you should go. And I was like, no way. And they were like, we'll buy you dinner. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I love to eat. And that's it. Honest to God, that's really how I got on the show. I went to an open casting call with a promise of good sushi and um, showed up in Atlanta. And there was like this three by five card with three questions on it. uh, Name, age, and why are you still single? And I literally wrote in, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that got you on the show. What's amazing is that I, I've talked about this with former contestants now because I kind of dive into, hey, how'd you get cast? And it's usually someone fills out an application online, drinking wine one night, and they get a call from a casting agent you know, the next day or shortly thereafter. But very few got cast through the open casting call route. But this is also 10 years ago. So, Oh, right. Right. In the, in the world of like online and social media and everything, they're probably stalking you now. Like, yeah. they want you to be on The Bachelor. You know, I'm, I'm in the world before <laughs> any of that was a problem. Like, there was no paparazzi hanging out in my bushes in Noonan, Georgia. <laughs> you know? How did you ever watch before? Had you watched the show before? Were oh, you a fan? Gosh. No. You know what? I was probably one of the few girls on like Brad Womack's season when it was like, I, I distinctly remember being on the two-on-one date with hmm, uh, Jade. I believe her name. Mm, I could be wrong. I, I can't remember. Anyway, I was on a two-on-one date and all the girls were like, oh my God, it's a two-on-one date. And I was like, well, hold up. I am not into kinky stuff like that. Like, I don't understand what this means. You know? I just had no clue what it meant because I'd never seen the show before I was on it. I had no clue what it was about. I knew that there were a couple of reality shows, this and Survivor, but I'd never seen the show before and I was not into things like that. You know, so I, I didn't even know what to expect. So you thought the two-on-one date was something sexual, like immediately? Yeah, yeah <laughs> like a threesome. I was like, what kind of television show is this? <laughs> That's crazy. I I mean, I can't remember any dates from your season, to be honest with you. But uh, And I didn't even know that you were on the two-on-one. So thanks for reminding me about that. Oh, well, um, yes, I, that was me. When you arrived, were you intimidated? Were you like, what the hell am I doing here? Did you think you had a chance to win? Well, I, I honestly, I didn't even want to go. Like, I went through the process just because they kept calling. And I was like, well, let's just see how far we can go. And then... When I made it to LA and did that last step of interviewing and made it through and the producers were like, oh my gosh, you're so great. Uh, buy your dresses. You're coming to LA to be on the show. I went home and I literally looked at my sister. I had just bought a house, you know, and I started a career in, in real estate and I was literally like, I cannot go. I'd never even thought in a million years I would make it this far. Um, and I can't believe they chose me. Like, I, I don't know that this is something that I want to do. Like, put my life on reality television like this. Not just for myself, but like put my family through this. You know, I just didn't know if it was something that I wanted to do. So I had actually told the producers that I didn't think it was going to go. And my sister just was like, you know what? You should just think about it. And if it's not right, you can always come home. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe you're right. If it's not right, I can just come home. If I don't like the guy, then I'll come home. And I realize in the world of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette that it is today, this sounds incredibly stupid probably to you and everyone else who is listening. Yeah. But I really went on the show for the right reasons. Oh. I didn't make a million dollars. I didn't get fake boobs. I didn't get new teeth. Yeah. I really went on the show for genuine reasons. I really wanted to have my fairy tale ending and that was it. That was all I cared about. And even when I went on the bachelorette, you can ask anyone in production. I didn't negotiate a paycheck as stupid as that sounds. Yeah. I was in it for the right reasons. You didn't, you didn't go on to, um, Promote your, pr- promote your promote uh, your promote your sunglasses that you were given before no, you went on. <laughs> I am not selling diff eyewear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, and there is something in that. It's probably taken me a long time to get to that point, but I'm really proud of that. I'm really good. proud of that. I didn't do it for a paycheck. I'm I'm really really proud of that. I was in it for the right reasons. I was very genuine about what I wanted, and that 
I think says a lot about someone, you know, I, I wasn't in it for a career change. What point in the bachelor season, how far into filming were you, where you were like, uh, number one, I'm into this guy. And number two, now I think I'm probably going to get to the end and I might win this thing or he might pick me say win, but, um, I'm trying to think back because the bachelor feels so much longer ago than the bachelorette, even though they were only what, six months apart. Yeah. It just feels so long ago, probably because I don't know that I ever really knew who Brad Womack was, but, um, man, I probably didn't really feel like, I like got Brad Womack until maybe like maybe like the fantasy suite dates mm-hmm. um, simply because that was the first one-on-one date that I got. I didn't get like any alone time with him. That um, is so weird because that would never happen. Nobody get nobody would get a hometown date, let alone a fantasy date without a one-on-one during the season. But I think filming was shorter back then as well in terms of Yeah, episodes. yeah. We okay. only filmed in like four weeks. Like if you made okay. it from beginning to end of the show, it was four weeks. And, okay. you know, we only traveled to Cabo. It's not like we <laughs> went to like around the world. We went yeah. to Cabo. You could do that in one day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would probably say it was about that. I remember I have a distinct memory of like going on that fantasy date and being at dinner in Cabo and just like like getting the sweats and just being like super nervous and, and wanting to tell him that, I had these feelings for him, um, but not really knowing how to say it because it was such a weird, messed up situation. Like I'm like dating the same guy with all these girls. And in real life, mind you, I would never do this. I would never do this in real life. One, I would never be this vulnerable. Two, I would never let some man date (laughs) 25 (laughs) other girls and me and just let me like fawn all over him. I would just have too much pride for that, you know? So, um, it was probably around like the fantasy dates in Cabo. And then once, once we had that date and I confessed like that, I was falling in love with him and you know, that I thought I was at the time. And, but it was the bachelor then, bubble like, speaking when you, yeah, said yeah, that. yeah. You had not a thing to worry about. It was very easy to do that, to, to, to feel like you loved someone. There was nothing else to concentrate on, but the bachelor. Um, and then you got to spend the night together and I, I'm not going to like, I think many people will say what happens in the fantasy suites and viewers can speculate what they think goes on, but it's not the same for everybody. I think it, I think some people have sex in there and some people don't and some people choose to tell and some people don't, but either way at the end of the day, it is, it is 12 hours that you could spend alone with someone with no cameras around and no producer telling you what you have to talk about. And you can just be real for that short period of time. And it's really nice. I want to take a break real quick to talk to you about Men's Warehouse. This year marks the 10th anniversary of the Men's Warehouse National Suit Drive. Donate your gently used professional attire to any Men's Warehouse store from July 1st through the 31st and give a man a chance to transform his life. That starts this weekend. But if you don't have a suit to give, don't worry. They are collecting all kinds of professional items, including sport coats, slacks, dress shirts, sportswear, outerwear, dress shoes, ties, and other accessories as well. Then all of the donated items will be given directly to nonprofit organizations that distribute them throughout the community. The goal is to receive 275,000 donations, so be sure to spread the word by using the hashtag GiveASuit. Visit www.menswear, that's W-E-A-R, house.com slash national dash suit dash drive for more information. That's men's plural, 
warehouse.com slash national dash suit dash drive. Remember the dashes in there, people. Those who donate will receive a thank you coupon for 50% off of regular priced retail items or text NSD, as in David, to 66960 to receive $10 off your purchase of $50 or more. The Men's Warehouse National Suit Drive. Give a suit. Change a life. Also, I wanted to talk to you about BarkBox. You know I'm a fan of this, even though Maddie passed away a while ago. Um, I do have some, I guess, nieces and nephews that are dogs. Um, they are Merlin, Jester, and Hollywood. Anyway, BarkBox, we know all about them. They're a monthly delivery service of all-natural treats and super fun toys curated to match your dog's unique needs, including allergies and chew preferences. It's a great way to try a variety of USA, Canada-made treats and unique toys from local and small businesses that you may not otherwise be able to find. Plus, each box centered around a different theme. You've got the Country Fair, the Bark Ball, my favorite, Poo York City, or the Brooklyn Hipster to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. And when your dog falls in love with something from the box, you can easily find it again on BarkShop.com, the BarkBox app, or by texting BarkBox. For dogs, it's like the joy of a million belly scratches. But if for some reason your dog doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox will send you something that they will love, and it's for free because they're all about the dog's happiness. Better yet, every BarkBox ships within the U.S. and the continental U.S. So... I told you about my sister's dogs. That would be Merlin, Jester, and Hollywood. Yes, yeah, she's a fan of Top Gun. Uh, I got this for them when we did the first go-round with BarkBox, and they absolutely loved it. They tore through every toy. When the box arrived, she just laid the box on the ground, and the dogs tore into it. They knew exactly what it was, even though it was the first time getting it. Then again, it was a box. So if they have a box laying around, they're going to tear into it. But to tear into it and actually find toys and treats in there, they were basically in dog heaven. So yeah, visit BarkBox.com slash RealitySteve and you get a free extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a six or 12 month plan. That's BarkBox.com slash RealitySteve for an extra month free. Now let's get back to Deanna. Take us back to the final rose ceremony day. I asked everybody this who gets to the end. So much weirdness happened. Like from the... From the moment you woke up that morning to everything that happened after he let both of you go, um, first we had Jenny, and I, I heard in an interview where you said you knew he wasn't picking Jenny because yeah. Jenny, I think, had a guy back home anyway. But did you, and you knew for sure, did you get assurances from Brad that he was not necessarily picking you, but at least, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink on your last date with him, like, hey, don't worry. It's all good. So I don't know what it was about like filming The Bachelor, but I, and it's weird because it's not like Brad really gave me anything different from anyone else, but I have never been so sure about any one thing in my entire life. And that was that I was going to be the girl in the end. Wow. I don't know why. I, I, I really don't like it's, I, and I say that in Brad's defense because it's not like he showed me favoritism. If anything, he showed Jenny favoritism. Like he would walk into a room and fawn all over Jenny, I, I, you know, and, and he was very affectionate towards her where he wasn't toward other girls, but there was something in me that at every rose ceremony, I just knew like for some reason I had that confidence that it was going to be me in the end. And I don't know what it was, but uh, right before the final row ceremony, and I'm, I'm 
going to try to remember like my days, but it was, I believe the night before Jenny's final date. Mm -hmm. Uh, They let me spend the night with Brad. I don't know why. I don't know if he requested that or if that was them trying to help him along the way because they knew he didn't want to choose anybody. I don't really know. I don't have a, I don't have a, a definite answer there, but we had filmed our final date. And, um, at the very end they said, you know, uh, would you like to stay the night with Brad off camera? He would like to do that. And I was like, yeah, that would be great. So that obviously boosted my, my thoughts of knowing that he wanted to be with me. Um, and this was after you had already had an overnight date with him. This wasn't the overnight date. Yeah. Okay. No, no, this was the very end. This was up leading up to the final row ceremony. Yeah. Uh, I, I literally packed a little overnight bag. My handler drove me over to the house that he was staying in and dropped me off. And they were like, all right, peace. We'll see you in the morning. And there was nobody there. It was me and Brad. And we sat on the couch and we watched TV and we hung out and we talked. And I remember him saying to me that night, he said, do you think this is real life? And it didn't throw me off at the time because I wondered, was he just trying to gauge my interest level? Yeah. But looking back, I'm sure he was like, listen, are you really believing this or yeah. are you chalking up what I'm selling, you know? Um, but I remember him saying that we were sitting on the couch and he had his head in my lap and I was rubbing his hair and he said, do you think this is real life? And I remember saying, I think it could be if you are being honest and I am, I think it can be. And I was, and I don't know if he wasn't or if he just couldn't do it. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I never got any straight answers out of him or not, but we stayed the night together. And the next morning, my handler came to pick me up and he walked me to the car and it was the day of the final row ceremony and he was holding my hand. I will never forget this. And he kissed me and he said, I'll see you later. And I said, don't remind me. And he said, don't worry. It's going to be a good day. So that morning that you woke up with him, that was the day of the final row ceremony. So it was after his date with last date with Jenny? I, I'm trying to remember. I, I guess it's not all that important, but the bottom line is from the time that he did that. Bottom line. Yeah. I remember, I remember him saying, I don't remember if he's, you're like confusing me now. (laughs) It was either that night of, he was going to have his final date with Jenny and the final rose ceremony was the next day. Yeah. Again, it was so long ago, but I, I just like distinctly remember him saying, no, it was that day because he said, I'll see you. I'll see you later today. And I said, don't remind me. And he said, don't worry. It's going to be a good day. Wow. When you walked up, when you walked up on that final rose ceremony, did you know that Jenny had already been eliminated? I did not know that. Okay. No. okay. But I was like, but you were so like confident you were going to win. Point nine percent sure yeah. that it was going to be a good day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that he was going to choose me. I, I'll tell you that I didn't feel like in any way, shape or form he prepped me for not choosing me. So when he didn't choose you on the altar that day, how long after he made that speech and you got, and you were separated, did you realize he had not chosen Jenny either? Or did he tell you during the call or during the call? Uh, I think at some point after that was done, he told me that he didn't choose Jenny. And I'm pretty sure he was like, I just, out of all respect, I want you to know I didn't choose Jenny either. Okay. So it was after... Yeah, okay. yeah. So they did the whole thing on the podium where he blindsided me and everything else. And I'm pretty sure 
I remember him before he put me in the car. He said, I just want you to know I didn't choose Jenny either. But he did not do that to Jenny. So I remember having this conversation with Jenny at the um, after the final rose. She had told me she had gone that, imper- that entire period of time, and she thought he chose me. From the end of filming when she got dumped until you filmed the after the final rose, she had no idea? Yes, she had no idea. She told me that she thought when they finally showed her the the episode, mm-hmm. She they brought her to my green room and she was crying and she said, I thought this entire time that he chose you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that would never happen nowadays, but. <laughs> no, right? There And so there was always the story going around. And I want to get clarification from you on this. Always the story back then going around that Brad had asked producers to fly your dad in who was overseas at the time so he could ask for permission to marry you in person. Your dad was flown in, but Brad has since, I think afterwards he since said, I never told producers to do that. Can you clear up what the hell happened with your dad being flown out there? And So I only know, I, I never got like, I don't know that I would give her ever get like a, an honest answer out of producers. So I only know what my dad and what Brad told me at the time. Mm-hmm. And my dad told me that he was told that Brad wanted him flown out to ask his permission. So when my dad showed up from Italy uh, to LA, he was completely blindsided when they were like, you know, Brad's not going to meet with you. You'll see Deanna after filming. He was like completely shocked and had no clue what was going on. And then Brad separately told me that he never asked for my dad to be flown out. The only thing that he said was if I should propose, I would not do it without asking her father first. So you can see where the producers might have. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Done it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. In interviews yes. since the show, you've basically said that if Brad would have proposed to you that day, you would have said yes. But now everything in your life has played out as it oh, has. Right, right. Looking back, looking back, you know, I've been like, what am I crazy pants? You know, but yeah. yeah, at that time, at that point in my life, had Brad proposed, I would have absolutely said yes. Given that situation and being on The Bachelor and in the bubble and everything else, I like, I thought I loved him. I thought I loved him. Yeah. Now looking at him like, gosh, we had nothing in common. I don't even think he's funny, you know, like <laughs> I would have been so bored, although he's super hot, you know, and I really enjoyed his family. Yeah. Gosh, I would have been so bored, you know? Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm saying that in the nicest way possible. I'm saying that, you know, our, my husband is wonderful. And, yeah. you know, so looking back, everything happened for a reason. And I'm honestly, I'm thankful Brad didn't choose me. Look at, you know, look how things have played out and. Yeah, I commend him for standing up for himself and for not choosing anyone if he didn't see it working. Because I, looking back, wish I would have done the same thing. It's almost like the most realistic, and I've said this over the years, I always thought it was the most realistic ending to this show because you don't hand, you know, as Brad, Brad doesn't handpick the people to come on the show. It's like, if if you don't like any of these girls to feel like you should marry them, you should be able to say no, but... You know, people invest time into the show. They don't want to see that at the end. They don't want to see, well, I don't like either of you. See ya. Right. Or, you know? Everybody wants the fairytale ending. Yeah. Everything wants everything wrapped up in a pretty red bow. But he was, at the time, literally the most hated man in America. Yep. <laughs> was, he was crucified for that. Like, why didn't yes. you just at least pick one and continue to date them or whatever? It's like, 
and that's just the show. People that are so obsessed with the show talking about it when they weren't, they, they couldn't separate the show from reality, essentially. But but honestly, like Steve, I kind of feel the same way. Like all he ever said, even like in interviews and to me, he was like, uh, "Diana's wonderful. She's everything I've ever wanted in a woman, and all of these wonderful things." And for a long time, we kept in touch, and he would text me and ask me to come and visit and stuff. And I'm like, "Well, why didn't you try to date me then?" Like, okay, you didn't want to promise me forever. Yeah. Right? You didn't you didn't want to marry me because you barely knew me. I'll give you that. But if you weren't ready to like let me go, then why not just date me? Like what I don't understand. So post show, he was still in contact with you and wanted to see you? Yeah. Like possibly yeah, he date you? Me out to text it. I, I don't know. I never went and we had a very at at some point I was like, You have to stop calling me. Um but yeah, <laughs> like there was yeah, I, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it at all. You guys, you're never going to believe this, but I finally gave in. You know my stance on food services, the Bachelor and Bachelorette contestants that pimp out all their food service stuff on Instagram and have the smile on their face. I was approached by Sunbasket to do some advertising, and I was skeptical at first. You know me. But they said, why don't you just try it out and tell us what you think? And they sent me some meals. I actually took the time. You know, you know me. I don't cook. But I was like, well, if they're going to send me stuff, I might as well try it. And you guys, it's really good. Like I made, believe it or not, I made the ricotta stuffed chicken breast with tomato panzanella. And it was really good. Sun basket. Can you believe this? It's a huge part of eating healthy is just finding the time to do it, taking the time to plan your meals, trek to the farmer's market, figure out portions. It all adds up. And if you're like me, you don't have all the time to do it, nor do you really want to do it usually. So you'll love Sunbasket. They deliver delicious, healthy recipes and fresh ingredients straight to your door. You get dinner on the table in 30 minutes. It's healthy cooking made easy. Actually, it took me 26 minutes to make my full meal. You'll get organic, non-GMO ingredients from the best farms and fishermen. Everything is seasonal and sustainably sourced. Sunbasket offers paleo, gluten-free, vegetarian, breakfast, lean and clean, and family options created by an award-winning chef and approved by nutritionists. Each meal comes with pre-measured, fresh ingredients and easy-to-follow directions. And trust me, if I'm able to make this stuff, you can. Because I don't cook. And if I do cook, it's literally heating up pasta. I can make pasta by heating up the noodles and heating up the sauce and then mixing it together. Not very hard. I actually had to cook the ricotta stuffed chicken breast with tomato panzanella, and it was really good, and it was really easy to make, and it's delicious. Time in the kitchen, very well spent, which is very, very rare for me. So go to sunbasket.com slash Steve today and get your first three meals free. That's sunbasket.com slash Steve to get three healthy, easy-to-prepare meals free. sunbasket.com slash Steve. Now let's get back to a little more of Deanna. Let's transition into Bachelorette because this was funny because this – the way you were announced as the Bachelorette is so different than you know how they do it now, because I've heard you tell this story and it's it's really funny. Because for those that don't remember, you were announced as the Bachelorette on Ellen's show. So tell everyone how that all came about and how clueless you were to what was going on. 
Oh my gosh. Well, when I came home from The Bachelor, the producers obviously kept in touch with me, but here I was thinking like, oh, they really like me. They're really worried about my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And they were just like, so how are you? Are you recovering? Are you still single? Are you dating one? And everybody every week was calling and just like keeping tabs on me and like, if I was seeing anyone and what I was doing and, and all this stuff. And then finally, maybe like a couple of weeks, two or three weeks afterwards, they were like, you know, would you ever consider being the bachelorette? And I was like, well, I don't know. Now it's too soon. And they just kept calling and asking that question. And then after I was like, yeah, maybe I'd consider it. Then they kept calling and saying, well, so what if this happened? And then it led, led to all of these things. And finally, one of the executive producers called and he was like, well, if you would consider being the bachelorette at some point, we are looking at a handful of people. So we're going to go ahead and send the contract over. And if you would take a look and send it back, that would be great. Just in case we were to ever consider you. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm stupid. I'll sign it. (laughs) And sure enough, they sent it over and I signed it and I didn't think anything about it. And they just kept calling. And I was thinking they were calling because they really liked me. They wanted my well being, you know, and, um, (laughs) And then I remember the PR person calling and saying, hey, they would love to have you back out to be on the Ellen show. And I was like, that's so great. She's awesome. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, yeah, she just wants to see you. And I was like, well, why? And they were like, well, they, she just wants an update on your life and how you're doing and what you're doing now. And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I still live in Noonan, Georgia, and I'm still single. And that's pretty much it. And, and you like, had you had gone on Ellen after brad had dumped you as yes, you know, the sympathetic yes. figure so you're like yeah why am i going on again what's the point yes and and ellen had made it blatantly clear like she did not like the way that brad womack ended the show like yeah so i remember that just about it yeah so i was like this makes no sense why would she have me on i'm just like a normal girl and i'm still single and nothing is new in my life and they were like well come on out and tell her on national television i was like yeah that sounds great i'll do that <laughs> And so sure enough, they fly me out. And um, once I got to set, I remember seeing a couple of the um, like bachelor producers there and then maybe some, uh, uh, some people from Warner Brothers. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how random that you guys are here. And they were just like, well, yeah, you know, Warner Brothers does this and this and this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. You know, it just didn't click. <laughs> they put me in my green room and they didn't have the TV on. Usually when you go in the green room at the Ellen show, they have, you know, a TV in there and it's playing the current show. So you can watch everybody who's on stage and they had it turned off and I was like, Oh, we can't watch the show. And they were like, Oh, you know what? Unfortunately this TV is broken again. I don't know if I should tell you this, but I am the most gullible person in the world. I don't <laughs> ask any questions. I was like, whatever. This is so fun. I love coming back here. This is great. And, um, they pull me out on stage and I'm sitting there and it's just like, you can, you can watch it on YouTube. Like I'm almost embarrassed at how far apart my mouth fell. Um, but yeah, I was completely shocked here. I had, I, they'd line everything up perfectly. I'd signed my contract. I'd done everything. I'm, I had dated anybody and they pulled me out on stage and Ellen was literally like, yeah, we think you're awesome. And I pulled some strings and you're going to be the next bachelorette. And I honestly didn't know what to say. I think five seconds went by and I just sat there with my mouth wide open and I just like stared at the audience like, are you guys freaking kidding me? <laughs> How soon after that happened did filming start? Um, It must have only been a couple of weeks. I remember going back to my hotel room that night and one of the casting directors called me and and did the whole spiel. Like, what are you looking for in a guy? What kind of guys do you like? Physical, mental, all of those things. Are you Christian? Like, they asked me every question that I could possibly want in a guy. So it must have been um, 
maybe two or three weeks, I went home and I kind of gathered my things and, and headed out. Okay. And when they asked you that, you answered, I want short, goofy guys that wore stupid <laughs> jackets the first night, right? That was on your. I love snow and I like to snowboard. <laughs> Not. Oh, gosh. There's so much to talk about with your bachelorette season. But oh, I think, yeah. I think the bachelorette season, this is so good because. It's one. It's it's one of the more interesting ones. So the first night, well, coming from you, that's very fun. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> it was one of the more interesting ones because the final choice was just seriously out of fucking left field, and oh, everything that happened post show. With I, okay, we'll get to that in a second. But let's go back to your first night. You pretty much knew who your final four were first night. Yes. Yeah, I said that what almost ten years ago, and I will stand by that now. Yes. Yeah. Even though. I still don't know how he even made your final four, but well, I really wanted to learn how to snowboard. I mean, is, does that just sound so stupid? <laughs> it's so stupid, but I was looking at my handful of guys. I, I knew my final two. I wanted them to be Jeremy and Graham, Jeremy and Graham. Yeah, that was it from day one, walking in on night one at the end of the night, they laid out all the pictures on the bed, every guy with their names and said, who are your final two? If you could pick them right now. And it was Jeremy and Graham. Those are my final two. And that was not going to change. Um, and then when they asked me about final four, I like genuinely liked Jason Mesnick. I, yeah. I, you know, he's a solid dude and, and he's caring and he was, he was, you know, he was wonderful and he was inquisitive and he was very generous of me and I, yeah, he's a solid guy. And then it came to Jesse and I just thought he might be kind of fun. You know, I, I've never snowboarded before. That was literally <laughs> what I thought I wanted to learn how to snowboard. That was what I thought. And that was also when he was selling that he was a professional snowboarder. So Yeah. Well, was there anybody on the fringe? Was there anybody in the five or six? I don't remember who your number five and number six were that season, but were there any guys that you were like, maybe I could swap him out with Jesse or if they... No, no. Really? There was nobody, huh? No. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Well, you were pretty sure. <laughs> no. There was one guy in particular on the first night. I don't know if you remember Paul. He was from Canada. He got in. Uh, he jumped in the swimming pool. He had a speedo. Speedo. On. He had yeah. My name embroidered on the back. Yeah. And I remember at the end of night one, they, the producers wanted to send him home, and I was like, "You, you just can't do that." He jumped in like ice cold freezing water in a speedo with my name on the back. Like, can we just give him one more night? You know, they were going to send him home, and they let me talk him into uh, letting him stay. And I don't know if I was super happy about that or not, but <laughs> in the end, uh, yeah, he's the one at on night one where I was like, no, 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 he needs to stay. He needs to stay. Well, that's funny because the talk over the years has always been: do producers force you to keep people around? And now you're hearing us telling you're you're here telling us a story that you actually wanted to keep a guy around after the first night, and the producers are like, no, we got to send this guy home, which is really. Kind of ironic because everybody thinks that, oh, you know, so-and-so, like, waboom guy from Rachel season, like, why is he, why did he even last more than four seconds on that show? And it's just like, do, do producers, like, force them to keep certain people around? And I'm guessing the word force is probably too strong of a word, but I'm sure they nudge you in a direction where it's like, hey, this, this is a storyline that let's keep this guy here or keep this girl here for X amount of uh, episodes. It's got to happen. Uh, totally. I think it happens like that, but I would, the only thing I can speak on is like my own defense and <clears throat> they pretty much let me, but honestly, I really only cared about my final four. I was just trying to get down to final four. Yeah. Everybody in between was just like, 
I don't want to say dead space because that's not what I mean, but like I, I have some really genuine friendships and I'm still friends with some of the guys from my season, mm-hmm. but I only cared about that final four. And I'm really bottom line. I only cared about like Jeremy and Graham, like at the end of the day, it was those two. And, and, and I just wanted to get to those two and, and getting to those two guys was like a means to an end. Like I had to like go on dates with other guys. So yeah. pretty much I left it up to producers. I was like, you know what? If you want them here, that's great. I don't care. Cause I really only want to spend time with these couple of guys, you know? So, um, you know, I don't know. I can only speak from, from what I experienced. And, um, if I spoke up and I thought someone should stay, they gave me that. Well, it's been talked about over the years, and you you recently spent time with five other Bachelorette leads when you guys did the People Magazine uh, photo shoot cover, that pretty much all the Bachelorette leads, and I guess the Bachelor leads as well, on the first night, kind of know. You, you were set on four. I think probably over, if you ask all those girls, Ashley and Allie and Emily and Jillian, you, you'd get a, I knew who my top four to six were at that point. You just, you just know. You just kind of know who tickles your fancy at that point and well i think women are better at that anyway yeah women can walk into a bar and see five hot guys and be like well i only want to talk to those two people you know like i I just think women are better at that that may be my own personal opinion i think guys on the other hand walk into a room of 25 hot girls and like oh my god how these girls want me yay yeah (laughs) it's just different and there was one i we're not gonna go over all the dates on your season or whatnot but there was one memorable moment from your season that I stuck out to me was the barbecue at the mansion, which I'm sure you remember where you, you know, you had the, the infamous line. Do you know what your line was? No, I I remember it. I don't know why I remember this, but you, you gave the, the guys were like jerking around and just being stupid and or ignoring you or something like that. And you said you were crying. You were very upset. And you said, y'all are breaking my heart. You remember that? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I just remember, I remember you crying and saying, y'all are breaking my heart. And, uh, what, what happened that day? Oh man. I'm pretty sure every bit of that drama was directed towards Graham Bunn. Oh, it's Graham. Um, oh, I didn't remember that. Okay. But it but it wasn't. It didn't air that way. Oh, okay. Um and I didn't let it be known that way because in a room in a room full of a lot of pretty wonderful guys, yeah. I didn't really want them to know that it was all about Graham, but it was all about <laughs> Graham. You know? Oh, okay. Um and there was one guy in particular, the chef, um, Robert. Yeah, Robert. Robert. Uh, he was just kind of he was just tough to be around. He got super drunk the night before. And so he was really hungover and he just didn't care. He was like sitting inside and just like sulking in his own misery. But in his defense, I only paid attention to Graham. So, you know, like. <laughs> he also, uh, I, it, now that you mentioned Robert, I'm almost positive. Number one, he always popped his collar, which was about as douchey as you could get. It was so obnoxious. Yeah, his collar was always popped and it, it was. I think you had a one-on-one with him, or maybe it was a two-on-one, and he tried to kiss you, and you backed it off, or something like that. One, and he tried to kiss me, and I was like, "Yep, yeah. nope, gotta go." Yeah, and gotta you backed go. Up. Okay. Yeah. So we got your final four. Obviously, you get down to the final four, and everybody knows at this point. You, I think. I mean, maybe people don't know. You wanted Graham Bun. You were picking Graham, and that was it. Yeah. Like that was yeah. that was it. So 
what happened at Final Four? Did you find out that Graham wanted to leave or he told you he wanted to leave? Because I remember that being so bizarre. I specifically even remember the Final Four rose ceremony where all four guys show up. Graham is, Graham's in like jeans and a sweater and all the other guys have suits on. Like, what was he doing? I'm like, like what is... He really didn't give a shit. Yeah, I was like, what? So you knew before that rose ceremony that Graham, you were not giving a rose to Graham, even though you wanted to pick him. What happened? Uh, so I didn't find out until the night before the rose ceremony. And I think we were in Seattle, Washington. And it, and the way that we filmed it, Jason's hometown was the final hometown. Yeah. And they, the producers were really encouraging me to take time off camera with Jason and hang out with him and get to know him. And I was like, I don't want to. I only want to hang out with Graham, <laughs> you know. Um <laughs> And they were really pushing me to do so. And the next day, I remember my producer came to me and just said, hey, you know, I, I have some tough news. Like, this is how this is going to go down after your hometown. And I asked to have off-camera time with Graham after his hometown date. And I knew it could be done because they let Brad do it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked to spend some time with him off-camera, and they told me no. They would not let me. When I left his house, I left his house. I didn't get to see him anymore after that. And his hometown was tough. Like his mom was literally like, he's not ready to get married. Like he, I don't see him proposing to you after this. He's just not that kind of guy. Like to meet someone and barely get to know them and, and promise them forever. That's just not him. So I wanted to spend some time with him off camera and just, just share how I felt and, and just let him know, like, I get what this all is, but if you're in it, I'm in it too. And they wouldn't, they would not let me be with him off camera. Um, so right before the rose ceremony where he went home, the producers came to me and said, uh, Graham has asked to go home. And I was just like devastated. I was so devastated because I didn't understand why. Um, I didn't understand how they could allow something like to ha- like that to happen, especially because I had made it pretty clear between my producer, pretty much everyone on production there, that um, that Graham was it, and Graham was the final one. Um, so the only way that they explained it was that he asked to go home, and that was pretty much it. And the way the and then they told me how the rose ceremony would go, that I would give out my roses, and that it would look like I was sending Graham home. Hmm. And then didn't he and give so- you a note or something? Yeah, 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 he did. And so um, they let us sit and talk afterwards, but they encouraged me not to say anything about him choosing to go home to make it look like I sent him home. So I couldn't really be quite honest with how he was feeling. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, they were pretty much like, whatever, he showed up in jeans and he's just standing there with his hands in his pockets like he's ready to go. And so <laughs> I was kind of pissed and frustrated at the same time. And, um, well, yeah, later on, he he told me that he didn't ask to go home, that he was told if he couldn't propose to me because that's what I wanted, that he should go home because that's what I was looking for in the end. But he didn't. So it was like he did want to go home because he wasn't going to propose to you. Right. Okay. Right. Makes sense. Where did, your, where yeah. did you head off for overnights? Where was you, Oh, Bahamas, right? Weren't you guys Bahamas? Yes, we okay. went to the Bahamas. Bahamas. You're now your final three are Jason, Jesse, and Jeremy. Hey, three J's. I just I didn't realize you had three J's in your <laughs> Jason, Jesse, Jesse, and Jeremy are your final three in the Bahamas. So if you wanted your final two to be Graham and Jeremy, 
Graham leaves. You're upset. How does Jeremy not win this thing? Oh, you know what happened? Jeremy didn't win this thing. And Jeremy and I went on a one-on-one date. And he was so concerned with how big his abs were on camera. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, I'm kind of like being, I'm kind of just being obnoxious here. But <laughs> we were on a one-on-one date in Palm Springs. And, um, oh, Frank Sinatra's house. And there was a pool out back. And so, of course, we have to get in our swimsuits and get in the hot tub or the swimming pool. And I remember sitting there. And while they were filming us, I remember watching Jeremy and he was like sitting on the steps and he was flexing his abs because the camera was pointed directly at him. And I have a distinct memory of being like, well, I can't choose him because I don't care that much about my physical appearance. You know what I'm saying? Like, not like I want to be ugly or that I want to be 400 pounds overweight or anything, but I just don't care that much to look like that. You know, and I I like to eat. And <laughs> if I am thin but fluffy, I'm totally cool with that. And so, really, that's what uh, it was for me. That's what it was. That's what that that killed your lady boner with uh, Jeremy. Yep. Yes, there are <laughs> way more things to me oh that are gosh. more important in life and love than how hard is my six pack. Yeah. Well, now we're down and to the final two. So now, that's how I ended up with Jason and Jesse. <laughs> Jason and Jess. So now Jason and Jesse are your final two. And <laughs> there was no way you were going to not choose anybody. If, But explain I your know, thought like, process of back, picking. I totally should have. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so why wasn't it Jason over Jesse now? Uh, it wasn't Jason because I was not ready to be a stepmom. Okay. Fair enough. I really liked Jason. And actually before Final Four, before Graham chose to go home, I wanted to send Jason home. And I wanted to send Jason home because he had a son who he loved dearly and he missed terribly. And I couldn't bring myself to keep him there another day knowing that he could be at home with his with his son especially if I knew I wasn't going to choose him in the end, you know? And when I told that to the, to the producers, they were like, well, <laughs> well, we can't do that because he's going to be the next bachelor. You know, they didn't say that <laughs> to me, but I'm sure that was their plan all along. So yeah. they, they maybe guided things the way they wanted them. But I wanted to send Jason home at final four because I couldn't, I couldn't stand the idea of keeping him away from his son any longer than he had to be. Um, and then obviously things got switched up when Graham went home and Jason stayed. And at final two, I knew I couldn't choose Jason because although I genuinely liked him and we had a, uh, a very easy friendship, I just knew I wasn't ready to marry him and be an immediate parent. I knew that wasn't something that I wanted to do. And I knew his life was in Seattle and I didn't, I just didn't want to go there. And you pick Jesse Sinsack. I know. And it was like, well, had, if this is what's left, this yeah. is what I got to do. It's so stupid. And you pick Jesse, and that relationship was. You found some things out about Jesse afterwards that I thought were quite interesting. Why don't you fill us in on. Well, first off, let me, let me fill everybody in. Isn't it true that Jesse had a girlfriend the whole time? Yes. Yeah. Jesse had a girlfriend up until the final four. 
I did not know that during filming, but yeah, he told me that when he went home and he was in the airport on his way to hometown dates that he borrowed his handler's phone and called and broke up with her. She was the, <laughs> did she know he was on the show? Glove sponsor. Did he know she was on the show or did she know he was on the show? Like yes. he was off filming. Okay. Yes. Yes. She knew he was on the show. Um, and I guess he had just told her he was going to go on and try to get exposure for the glove company. And then somewhere along the way, I think he told me that he genuinely fell in love, but <laughs> he didn't try to kiss me until his hometown date. And I thought, Oh my gosh, he's just, he's such a perfect gentleman, <laughs> but really he didn't want to kiss me because he had a girlfriend. <laughs> and once the relationship started post-show, you moved to Denver, right? Breckenridge. Breckenridge. Yeah, you Breckenridge, moved to you yeah. moved to Breckenridge. How? Like once the finale aired, it was pretty much right after that, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we spent some time in Atlanta. Um, I don't remember at this point how much time we spent in Atlanta, but we spent time in Atlanta, and he hated it. He hated Atlanta. He hated the heat. He hated the humidity. He hated that he couldn't ride his bike a mile down the road. He hated that he didn't have anything in my house other than his clothes. You know, he hated it just as much as I hated Breckenridge. <laughs> just, if not more, I loathed Breckenridge. <laughs> but this relationship, I remember there was a lot of stuff being, it was like you said, the beginning of social media and kind of blogs and stuff like that. Wasn't Jesse, Jesse was very about appearances and making sure you guys all were all up in it. Yeah. All up in it. And I'm just not like that. Like even still to this day, if you go to my Twitter or my Instagram, I, I'm just like a mom and it's consumed my kids, but I, I'm not into like posting every single thing that I'm doing and, I'm just not. And he was every time we were on the mountain and I was learning to snowboard, he would be trying to take my picture and post it everywhere or send it to magazines or whatever it was. Yeah. He, he felt like it was super important. And I think that's because he comes from maybe a business kind of mind and he was always trying to make money and that was his way of making money. I don't know, but I like could not stand it. I couldn't stand it. How Our long entire- did you live in Breckenridge with him? I was probably in Breckenridge maybe two or three months. It wasn't long. And I know you went back to Atlanta one weekend and you were just like, I got to end this. Like this, I'm not doing this anymore. And then you had to go back though to get your stuff and officially do (laughs) the breakup. did not go well. (laughs) And for those that don't remember, you broke up with him when you got off the plane at the baggage claim, correct? Oh, it's so stupid. Um, you know what? Yes, that is like quite literally how it happened, but he knew the end of our relationship was near. Like we were having problems. There's no way he can claim that he was happy. And I like blindsided him. That's just not true. Like we were unhappy. He was unhappy with me. I was unhappy with him. We had an unhappy relationship. Yeah, We were in a relationship and we met on reality television and we were trying to make it work, but it wasn't ever going to work. I wasn't right for him and he wasn't right for me. And we were both extremely unhappy. We didn't enjoy the same things. We didn't have hardly anything in common flat out. Yeah. You know? So so we were having some problems and in the microscope of things, it is hard being a product of reality television to try to make things work, to try to make a relationship work when there's no one watching. 
let alone in the microscope of things where everyone is watching. Everyone sees you out about and they expect you to be, you know, so happy and everything is wonderful. And it's just not like that. It's just not like that. You're thrown into a world where you barely know each other, but you kind of love each other. It's weird. Yeah. And it's so hard to put into words and describe what it's really like. But no, we weren't happy. I was extremely unhappy. We fought all the time. He was unhappy. And yeah, it just wasn't going to work. So when I left Breckenridge to go home, he knew, he knew how things were going. So to act, I was really upset when we broke up when he acted completely blindsided because he wasn't blindsided. I left Breckenridge and I went home and I said, I, I need to process some things. I need to figure out what is happening here and, and whether we even need to be together. He wasn't blindsided. He knew where our relationship was going, but everybody handles breakups differently. And I choose to take the higher road, you know, as opposed to him who then, Went filmed a YouTube filmed video? a YouTube video of himself crying, <laughs> and almost like it was almost oh. like him crying and like begging people to tell you to not leave him. Or it was something so ridiculous. I'm sure he thought he was going to make a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Everything and, to him was a dollar sign. So and didn't he make that like the day that you? It was like yeah. right around the yeah. time that you you we left to go back. Woke he, up. I was on an airplane to New York. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had an appearance already booked. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get paid for it, so everybody can say whatever they want to say. I didn't get paid for it. I was just doing an appearance on, I think it was the Mike and Juliet morning show in New York when it used to be on. And we broke up on a Saturday, and the, the, the booking was for Monday morning. And I called my publicist, and she was like, I'm not going to cancel it. Like, I can't cancel it. You know? And <laughs> that's the way it was. And so I went. I still had my ring on. He knew I was still doing it. He agreed to it. And I went on to New York to do this appearance. So he filmed this crybaby YouTube video while I was on this show and on an airplane. And he posted it while I was on an airplane from New York to Atlanta. Knowing uh, he posted it knowing that you were on a plane. Yeah, and yeah. knowing I couldn't see it or say anything. So yeah. when I landed in Atlanta and turned on my phone, I had like 14 voicemails and I had I had emails from my manager and my agent and all of these people. And I was just so blindsided. I was so blindsided because I thought we had a pretty amicable split and that we were on the same page and that we were going to do a joint statement and that we were going to try to be friends, you know, that it was going to end kindly. And that is so far from what happened. And so when you left Breckenridge, at the airport after you guys broke up, that was basically the last time you saw the guy or spoke to him. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't seen him since. Um, we exchanged some phone calls and some text messages and stuff since, but he is not a particularly nice human being yeah. in a breakup situation. So, uh, after lots of just nasty things, I just, yeah, I was like, I, I don't ever want to speak to you again. You're a terrible human being and I don't have anything good to say about you. And I don't want people like you in my life. I don't ever want to see you. I don't ever want to speak to you. I don't have anything to do with you. Don't ever call me again. Flat out. Yeah. Well, my feelings for you will never go up. They will only continue to go down. So yeah, I, I hadn't seen him again until Jason Mesnick got married. Well, the good thing about all of it, if there's a silver lining, is that at least you made a boatload of money being the Bachelorette to put up with that. Yeah, oh, at wait. least I'm super rich. <laughs> oh, wait. No, you didn't because you, 
You didn't care about your negotiations. About the only stupid one in the history of the show <laughs> that negotiated my contract for nothing. <laughs> Can you tell the audience how much you made to be the Bachelorette? I made ten thousand dollars. That's how much I made. <laughs> and you know what's even more funny? That is funny? the most unbelievable you know what's thing. Even more funny? That ten thousand dollars paid my car payment, my mortgage, and my electricity and my water bill for my house in Atlanta. I didn't pocket I didn't pocket a single dime. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I knew it was low, um, but I, yeah, ten grand yeah. to be the bachelorette. That's all right. Don't feel bad for in me. In ten years, yeah. I mean, yeah. You mean you've obviously recovered, and let's get to that stuff now. Your life now is somewhat still in the bachelor family because your husband Steven Stagliano, who was never on the show, but never. obviously we know Michael he was. He doesn't even understand it. He's like, how can you watch this? <laughs> but he had to watch his brother three times. Michael, yeah, so wait, Michael was on Jillian season, then he was on pad one and two or two and three. I think he was on one and two. No. Yeah, no, he, was, he on was on two and three. Two he and three. He won Bachelor Pad two, and then he was on Bachelor Pad three. Yeah, he won Bachelor Pad two in the most awkward, most weirdest. <laughs> yeah, because he's with Holly. Or Michael. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had. Um, who would I speak to about that? When I had Natalie Getz on and we were talking about it, um, just that whole thing of how, how weird it was, the fact that yeah. Holly and Blake like pre-taped their engagement. So Michael had Michael no had idea. No idea. <laughs> no no idea. idea. Yet he won the competition with Holly. Like, oh, the yeah, whole thing was so it weird. It was a bad, it was a rough time in the Stagliano <laughs> household, I'll tell you that. Um, so how did you meet Steven, by the way? How did that all come? Obviously, uh, I'm guessing so through some bachelor function. Because I watched Jillian Harris's season. It was honestly the first season that I ever watched of the entire show, besides my own. So Jillian so, was the bachelorette after you, right? No. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She would. Yes. Have been the next Jillian one. was the bachelorette after me, and it was the first season that I watched the entire thing and I watched it with Holly and I remember seeing Michael on the show being like oh my gosh he's so funny I cannot <laughs> wait to meet him and then when they did his hometown date I was like oh my gosh his family his family is so cool I want to hang out with him I want to go to dinner with him yeah and then uh they were all in town filming their mental all and we were hanging out with Jason and Molly and I don't know somehow it I think uh, maybe Holly was talking to Tanner, Tanner Pope, I think, or something like that. And so they found out what bar we were at, and they snuck out of their hotels and took a cab and came and met us at the bar. Now, at the time, little did I know, Michael was super excited to meet me. He had wished that he had been on my season. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to, wait to meet him. Can't wait to meet him. And two seconds after meeting Michael, I was like, boy, would never work out. In a million years, we would never work out. Like, this would never work. And Michael um, spent the evening with Holly, and they hit it off. And he was like, you're really cool. You should date my brother. He's kind of like me, but not. And yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. I'll give that a shot. And yeah, that was it. Uh, Michael and Holly dated for a few months and then we all know how that happened. And Steven and I dated and yeah, I was like, you're solid. Like you're like, you're it. You're it for me. So you've been dating. When did, so when would, what year would that be? 11, 2011? Or twelve. Uh, we got married in 2011, so we started dating. I think in late 2009. Holy, you've been married to Stephen for six years. 
Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. This Time October will be six years. Tell me about it. I got three, two kids. No, two yeah. kids. <laughs> you forgot how many two. kids you had? Only two. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have Addison and Austin. So yes. tell us about Addison and Austin. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I won't be able to. I never thought that I would be like an old, sappy, crybaby person, but I am. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think it's just one of those things that happen. Like you have kids and there's just really no way to describe it. Like they just consume me. They just like, they're my entire world. Like I love Steven and I love him on a whole different level for like giving them to me. But like my kids are just my world. They are my entire world. Like if my heart isn't a heart shaped, they have all of it except for maybe like the top right sliver of the corner, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Oh, they're just awesome. They're just, they're so great. Addison turned three in March. Uh, I'm sorry, in February. And Austin turned one in March. Mm-hmm. And they're just like super happy, chill, sweet kids. And Who's most like who? Is uh, is Addison like you and Austin like Steven or vice versa? Or oh, what's- man. Gosh, I don't know. Like Addison is really outgoing. And I don't know who to compare that to because Stephen and I, neither one of us are, have a shy bone in our body, yeah. you know, like, like we're super, um, but Austin is a lot like Stephen because he's really loving. Like I, I have a very different, um, upbringing than Stephen did and a, and a harder upbringing than Stephen did. Like Stephen came from a very loving Christian family who just like lift you up and build you up and praise you and cheer you on, you know, and so it's just very different from how I was raised. And Addison is like that. Like she'll come into the room and be like, mommy, do you know that I love you so much? And I'm like, my heart, (laughs) like if it could explode into a thousand tiny pieces, every time she says it, it does inside my chest explodes into a thousand tiny different pieces. Like I just can't. And any parent would know this. Like it is hard to put into words the joy that they bring to my life. You know, and for the first time last week, Austin was really sick. He had pneumonia and I had to take him to the emergency room and he had like a 105 degree fever. And I just was like, I realized it's just a fever and it was just pneumonia. But I was like, I, I would die. I would die. Wow. I would die because they are my life. They are yeah. what I live for now. Nothing else in the world matters. I don't care if I'm ever on another television show. I don't care if I'm ever hosting another thing. I don't care if I ever make another dollar to my name. Because these two little human beings that belong to me, they're it. They are all that matter in this world, and that is so fine to me. One thing that I remember now through the years, and I can't remember who told me this, is somebody that attended your wedding. It might have been Jeremy that told me. Did Jeremy go to your wedding? Yes, he did. Okay, Jeremy, it, Richard, Graham. Yeah, it might have been Jeremy. I think Jeremy was the one that told me. He said it was literally the best wedding he had ever been to. Like the oh, mo- that makes me so the happy. most fun because didn't didn't the brother didn't Michael and Stephen do like a a dance or a rap or yes. something? Yeah, he said it was just I the swear, most fun the best wedding I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah. What did they do? A dance together or a, a rap uh, or what they, they do? Choreographed a groomsman dance, and you can search it. Stephen posted it on YouTube, and. Uh, Stephen and Michael, they've always danced. Like they've always been a dance. They've always been. Well, Michael was break dancing, too. like big and break dancing. Yeah, but what you don't know is that Stephen was also. Oh. Um, they are very talented twins. They could probably like do their own thing, like have a song and dance on the side of Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. But 
Um, yeah, they choreographed a groomsman dance where they taught all of Stephen's groomsmen how to do this like certain dance to a mashup of songs, and it was the best thing on the entire world. I had no clue. So when they started doing it, I was like, you could hear me in like the video, like screaming because I just had like, I had no clue. I had no yeah. clue. And yeah. It was by far the best wedding I've ever been to. It was in the middle of the South in the middle of the woods. Um, there yeah. were paparazzi and he got ran over by the time the end of the night was done. Like we had sent three people to the hospital. And by the time the last person checked in, they were like, are you from that Stagliano wedding up in the woods? You know, like it was, by far like the best night of my life you know next to my kids being born that's a given but by far it was the best night of my life we had the most fun we like danced our faces off and we had the best party i think i'm going to include that video um in the in the post uh when when this interview is posted i'm gonna google search that so people can see it because i don't think i've ever watched it i think i remember hearing about it at the time you can find our wedding video like you can find our wedding video of us getting married the whole thing is on there and then part of the groomsman dance is included in that or you could go to steven's youtube page and find the groomsman dance and it's it's just so awesome the lighting is bad because we had no clue we weren't prepared for it but it's just it's the coolest thing ever. They're the coolest <laughs> dudes ever, both of them. I've yeah, I've I've always heard good things about uh, about Michael and and Stephen. Um, I think that you. Well, I wasn't gonna. I lost my train of thought there. Oh, tell tell everybody what you're doing. What work? Because I think a lot of people think you're a, just a housewife. Super rich reality star. No, I think they think you're a housewife. <laughs> I don't think people know like what you do. Um, I have. <laughs> Well, it's probably because I don't ever say it because I think my I work in an industry that's super private and oh. um oh, okay. I work in corporate aviation. Gotcha. I have done that for the last several years and yeah, yeah. I think people don't know that because because I keep it private. I keep think I work in an industry that people like that to be private. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pr- private <laughs> okay we're gonna we're i know we're we're close on time here so we're gonna wrap it up with um i do a rapid 10 we're asked 10 random questions uh to my guests and since we're up against it you can give shorter answers if you'd like but uh just rip through these and we'll go from there so qu- question number one these are all some are show related some aren't personal whatever Question number one, what was the most embarrassing thing that you felt you ever did on either show, on either Brad's season or your season of The Bachelorette? Just cringeworthy moment. Oh, uh, cringeworthy. cringeworthy. Uh, we were – it wasn't caught on camera, but I was in – on The Bachelor. We – my bestest friend in the whole world was McCartan, and um, we were in a hot tub on the lower level of the house that didn't ever get used – she, I don't know why we snuck down there. We didn't want to be on camera. We didn't want people to notice whatever it was. I climbed into the hot tub that never got used and was just going to dip my feet in. But because it never got used, it was all like slimy and gross because it hadn't been cleaned. <laughs> and I slipped and fell and I like fell straight to the bottom and oh. busted my arsh, like busted my butt so good. Wow. And uh, McCartan, the good friend that she was, she like pulled me out of the hot tub and was like, don't you worry, I'm going to go get you some dry clothes because we didn't want anybody to notice. One, we didn't want to give up our hiding spot. Two, we didn't want to be embarrassed and a bunch of cameras come rolling down and being like, oh my God, what happened? So you fell in the tub, you're so drunk, whatever, you know? <laughs> she, 
hid me and went upstairs and got me some dry clothes and came downstairs and like helped me change my clothes, got me back up to the room. And I was like hurt. Like I was like in pain. Uh, my butt was busted and uh, we were up in the room and I was like bent over and she was like putting Neosporin on my rear end where it was like bloody and raw. And about that time, one of the PAs walked into the room and was like, oh my God, oh my God. And he, like frantically like left the room. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 we are not doing what you think we're doing. We, it was nothing like that. She's just putting something on my butt, but I understand what it sounds like. He totally thought we were getting down and she yeah. was just rubbing me a spore on my rear end. And that was probably like my most embarrassing. Man, that should have made, that should have made the final, I know, but final we cut. Good at hiding it. And, and we didn't tell anybody like me and McCartan kept that a secret forever. Wow. Well, until now, <laughs> except for the bruise on the top of my bathing suit. I had it for like weeks and Brad was like, what is that? And I was like, well, <laughs> Uh, question number two, is there any part of being on the bachelor or bachelorette that prepared you for motherhood? Oh, probably not. <laughs> probably okay, not. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> question- There's probably not enough booze. In yeah, yeah. The world, so. Question number three, worst job you ever had? Oh, I worked in a dry cleaner. When I was 18 and I got to get out of high school early at like noon and my only job was to go to the dry cleaner and I would get, I would show up at like one o'clock and I would work from like one to eight, just like hanging and bagging laundry in the summer heat of Georgia. And it was the worst. It was the worst. And I made like $7 an hour. It was the worst. Question number four. Did you go to your senior prom? Who was your date? And did you have fun? I went to my senior prom. I'm pretty sure my date was my high school boyfriend. We dated for five years and I like loved him. He was the love of my life. My first love. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a freaking blast. How soon after did you guys break up? Uh, We broke up when I was 20. Okay. So you a couple years after that then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were together five years and yeah. Question number five. This is sort of a newlywed game question here, but even though I didn't ask Stephen beforehand to see if your answers would match up, I'll just ask you, (laughs) what would Stephen say is the number one thing that you do that drives him up a wall? Oh, he would probably name several things. (laughs) (laughs) Narrow it down to the one thing that you think it drives I. I need to like tread lightly here. Let me think. Let me think. Well, the thing is, like I said, it's like I don't have Steven's answer. So it's not like, you know, I I can match it up and he could be sitting there next to you and be like, no, babe, this is what it was. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then you hit each other with the cards. I know. Um, So if I could say that I did one thing. Yeah. It probably drove Steven crazy. He would probably be like, can you take the trash out? Is it Wednesday? Is the trash coming? Have you taken the trash out yet? Is it? Are, are you going to take the trash out? Is it full? Is it overflowing? Can you just take the trash out? The trash of all things? You just yeah, probably the trash. <laughs> probably the trash. Okay, I this question number six is some from some research I did. I didn't know until I did the research on this. In October of two thousand eight, you won an award from the Fox Reality Channel. Do you remember <laughs> the name of it? Yes, it was the reality performer of the year. <laughs> but then, the do you know the name of the fake martini glass? It was the. Do you know the name of it? What? 
It had a certain name reality, to it. Yeah. A reality performer of the year. Yeah. Well, the actual the the actual award was the Golden Real Teeny. Oh. Yeah. Well, eh, don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no idea until I researched it. But okay, <laughs> I just wanted to see if you know you were the recipient of the. Golden Real Teeny, which was given to the most memorable reality performer of the year. Uh, I do remember accepting it on stage, and um, Kendra, who's now a basket, yeah. who was dating uh, Hefner. Hugh Hefner at the time, booed me on the stage. I was like, oh, what? that's a shame. I really liked Because she show. wanted to win? Uh, I think it was either her or it was up to Holly Madison. They were both up for the award or something like that. And because I won, they like stood up and booed me. And I remember seeing Hugh Hefner like yank on her, telling her to sit down. And I was like, that's <laughs> such a shame. I really like the girls next door. <laughs> wow. You got booed by Kendra Wilkinson Basket. Such a shame. Question number seven. Uh, back in 2009, you actually brought this up earlier in the podcast. You once visited the troops in Kuwait. Tell me a story from that trip that very few people know. Oh, probably a lot. Um, I got to play golf at uh, Asan, what, what's his name? Um, some Saddam Hussein's uh, house in uh, what? Baghdad. Yes. So he owned a bunch of land in Baghdad and the palace itself was was in between a like lake. Maybe it's considered a pond, but we stayed in what was the guest house where like he had his family stay, like parents and stuff like that. And and the soldiers now had it all. It was like base to them. But we they had it set up like a driving range and they had like green set up on one side and we got to like stand there and hit golf balls as far as we could. Now that is a story. Like, yes, it was one of the golfing at Saddam Hussein's house. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Very cool. It was very cool. I couldn't sleep while I was there, though. I kept thinking I was going to see like Saddam Hussein standing over me, going, "You're not supposed to be here." <laughs> wow, yeah. that's crazy. Okay, uh, question number eight. What was more nerve wracking, getting ready to accept a proposal or answering the thirty thousand dollar question on who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, God, by far, by far, the $30,000 question on who wants to be a millionaire. (laughs) We knew we were playing that show for like months and we were playing for a very important charity who really could use the money. And they originally called and asked just me to play. And I was like, you know what? My husband is really smart. He's pretty funny. Can he play it with me? And they were like, yeah, that would be great. And so I kept telling Steven, like months leading up to it, I was like, you know what? It's a good thing you're the smart one. I'm just going to go and like show up. I hope you win. And he was like, you cannot do that to me. I'm feeling so much pressure right now. He was like so stressed out about it. He was like losing losing sleep over it. And I was like, you're going to be fine. You're super smart. You're a history teacher. You're going to be so fine. And he was like, you have to stop doing that to me because if we (laughs) lose on the first question, I'm going to lose my mind. What did you end up winning on that episode? I'm pretty sure we won $30,000. Oh, you won And every bit of it went to the charity. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. What- we made it to the $50,000 question, but we missed it. We we didn't know it. We walked away. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you remember what it was? Uh, I kind of do. It was, they were asking what, Stephen would know it. It, it, either way, it was a type of watch. It was like a, it was a French, okay, something, and it was saying, "What was it? Uh, a sword, or a shoulder strap, or a crown, or 
or something that goes on your wrist. And Stephen and I, I was convinced it was a crown, but uh, it was definitely a watch. And the only other person that we knew had bought one was the boxer. Um, gosh, I'm just the worst tonight. I'm so tired. I can't no. think of anything. It's all right. Ford Merriweather. Is that oh, Floyd. Yeah, Floyd Merriweather. Floyd Merriweather. <laughs> Floyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had bought one. It was a type of watch. He bought oh. one, and it was like some like six million dollars or something like that. And you just passed on the question, so you would be able to keep your thirty, or you, oh, you missed it. You guessed it. And yeah, you missed it. we 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 didn't miss it. We didn't miss it. We walked away. We oh, didn't you walked away. Answer, gotcha. And so we walked away, and so we were able to give the charity thirty grand. Nice. What charity was yeah. it? Uh, we played for Saving Innocence, and they do human trafficking in uh, U- the United States. They are predominantly based in the Los Angeles area, but more importantly, they give money to uh, human trafficking in the United States because people think it's like a foreign issue, like that it happens in Taiwan or wherever. But yeah. uh, there's a huge issue in Los Angeles. Nice. Okay. Well, that's great. You got them 30000 Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. All right, question number nine. Is there, I think I probably already know the answer to this question based on stuff we talked about earlier, but these yeah. questions were written in advance. So is there a guy from your season that maybe looking back on it, you felt like you cut too early and could have given more of a chance? <laughs> well, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I went through all of that talking about Graham. Like, he was the one, he was the one, he was the one. But, like, Did you overlook so anybody? Like, Richard or something? Um, <laughs> No, I don't think so. Even okay. though I adored, I adored Richard. Like, and we stayed friends. You know, we have still been friends. And even Jeremy and I, like, I adored those guys. I just am. Um, I pride myself. Like, I'm a pretty good judge of character, mm-hmm. and I am a person who knows what I want. And even though looking at those people, I would say that like sending Richard home, that like truly broke my heart. That was, on, that was on a one-on-one, guys. wasn't it? Or two-on-one yes. or something? Yes, and he, I'm pretty sure he was my first one-on-one, so it was pretty early on. But out of everyone that I sent home on the show, Richard truly broke my heart because I wanted to feel something more, and it just simply wasn't there. And I, like, loved him, and we were friends, and I thought he was funny, and I enjoyed hanging out with him. But, but the romantic part of what was supposed to be in a relationship was not there. So when it came time to send him home, I, it, it like truly screwed me up. Like, like really, I didn't sleep for days. I was so upset about it. I was really brokenhearted about it. And, and the way it was done, I was just, yeah, I was really sick over it. I want to say that was like a horse drawn carriage date. Yes. Oh my gosh. And he had to get out on his own. I mean, I was devastated. They like literally, they couldn't even film an interview with me afterwards because I was like, this is the worst thing. I I can't go on. Like this is the worst thing in the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, That sucks. Oh, well, poor Richard. Uh, Question number 10 is something I do called explain your tweet where I go through your tweets and I find something that, um, No, you didn't really. Yours weren't too bad. I this was a combination no, of I like don't post bad tweets. I'm like, hey, I'm eating ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Play. Yeah. So this was a combination of like I think two or three tweets because it was one thought, but you couldn't get it all in in 140 characters. So your tweet. This was from April 9th. So this was just a couple months ago. You tweeted. I find the Southwest line up to be strange. You have a boarding group, but I always feel awkward trying to make sure I get in my position. No one wants to be stuck in the middle seat for three hours if they don't have to be, but it's always strange when you have to say, oh, I'm in position 16, so I'm in front of you. 
Am I alone here? Maybe I'm too nice, scared, end quote. Do you have a Southwest story, A like a just an awful Southwest experience when it comes to that whole boarding process? No, I don't because I'm the person who walks up and I try to like glance at someone's ticket. And if they're like 14, but you know, they're not looking at anyone and they're standing in the line from like, I don't remember how it lines up, but like 10 to 14 and they're, yeah. they're up at like 12, you know, you don't want to be like, Hey, mother effer, you're back there. And <laughs> I'm up here. I'm just kind of like standing behind them. Like, Ooh, I hope they don't choose my seat because I, I don't want to deal with them, you know? But yeah. yes, I think it's so weird. The cattle call. Oh, why can't you just give me a seat? Like, just give me a seat. Let me choose one. Your tickets aren't that much cheaper. It's Southwest is, it's definitely a cattle call. It's definitely a weird process because everybody that's in front of you, you're just like, every when I get on, I just have to hope that there's a window or an aisle seat because nobody wants to be Please. the middle seat person. No, you ever. get up in the line and you're like, you're like, why are they hiding their ticket? Are they not supposed to be there? They should be at like 60 to 68, right? They're <laughs> lying. There's no way that's their seat. They're just lying. Excuse me, sir. What number are you? Yep. I'm in front of you. Get back. Yeah. Get back. And that's and that's what we run into with Southwest. I don't they have the weirdest, but you can change and flight. Not even like the flight is that great. They they they, they only have like basic drinks and like peanuts. And they tell they don't jokes. Have anything extra? And they tell jokes and they sing songs. The flight attendants there. It, it's not that good. <laughs> yeah. it's just not. <laughs> As someone who works in private aviation, I guarantee that. Yeah, that I mean, your <laughs> your your comments about Southwest definitely hold more water because you're <laughs> in the, the industry. Champagne? in the caviar you know come on yeah it's just like you know the the, you can you can change your flight at any time your bags are free and they have flights like 100 flights a day going to the same city it's just kind of ridiculous Las Vegas. if you want to go to las vegas you're set you can go any every every 30 minutes (laughs) yeah that's about it but um well diana you have completed the rapid 10 we have completed this interview i know you need to get to bed because we are recording this very late but i We've been back and forth for the last few weeks. I'm so glad that we got to do this. I know the listeners are going to love this. Thank you so much for coming on and doing oh, this. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad we were able to work it out. I like the I like the rapid ten. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. I've yeah, done it with like everybody, that. everybody, and I've I, you know some questions are repeats. Obviously, I try to cater at least a few questions to the person no, in particular. That's so fun. I've never done that on anyone's <laughs> podcast before. That's so fun. Like to get new questions that you don't feel like you've answered a thousand times. That's yeah. so fun. No, uh, I appreciate you doing it. You did, you gave great answers and we found out you hate Southwest Airlines. Perfect. Um, well, <laughs> we're all done now. Yeah. So that's great. Um, but thanks again. I really appreciate it. Get to bed and uh, we will be in touch. All right. I'll talk to you soon and I'll be, I'll be expecting my text tomorrow about Bachelor in Paradise updates. Yes, uh, we, I definitely will. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Take care. <laughs> all right. Good night. Thanks, Diana. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Deanna for that interview. Literally been chasing her down for a month. She barely has any time. We finally was finally able to nail her down and get her to record. And that was a lot of fun, especially to hear about all the Jesse stuff. I and mean, it's pretty amazing to hear a lead from this show basically say, I wanted this guy and he was out at Final Four. So she talked about a season where They were never going to work. Yeah, her and Jesse were never going to work, regardless of all the stuff, the issues that Jesse had. Um, I mean, she wanted Graham, and the guy left at four, and she was stuck having to continue a show, and she ended up doing that. So 
Unfortunately, she ended up with Jesse. That didn't last very long, and they were done. But then to hear her say that she only did it for ten grand, it's like, wow. Definitely women after her uh, got more than that. Um, but ten grand for Deanna to be the Bachelorette, that's pretty crazy. But uh, thank you again for her to her for coming on. Thank you all for listening. Remember, this episode was brought to you by Carvana. Looking to unsuck the experience of going to the dealership? Then Carvana can help. With Carvana, you can buy, browse, trade in, and finance your next vehicle online from the comfort of your own home. Choose as soon as next day delivery or pick up your vehicle from the world's first coin-operated car vending machine. Yes, there are car vending machines out there. There's one 10 minutes from me. It's crazy. And wave bye-bye to buyer's remorse with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Go to Carvana.com slash reality, R-E-A-L-I-T-Y, for the new way to buy a car. That's Carvana.com slash reality for the new way to buy a car. So thank you all for tuning in to podcast number 32. We'll be back next week with podcast number 33. So until then, we will talk to you soon. See you.